0: Hello. Before we get into this amazing podcast with two wonderful leaders, I would like to take the time, along with Colonel Birch and Colonel Bishop, to express our extreme condolences for the lives of Chief Master Sergeant Retired Mitch Quinn and Senior Airman Colton Dry. Chief Quinn recently passed away due to complications with cancer, and Senior Man Dry was killed in a single car accident while on leave, traveling back home to Illinois. Our thoughts and prayers are with the families of Chief Quinn and Airman Dry, and we wish them the best as they move forward through these troubled times. God bless you all. Greetings. Welcome back to Cape League Revolution. This is Chachi, coming to you this time from Joint Base, Lewis McCord in beautiful Washington. A little bit rainy day, but it's been gorgeous all week. I have two amazing guests. Uh, You've Heard and we're seeing them on my podcast before. We have uh, Colonel Benjamin Bishop, the commander of 354th Fighter Wing of the Allison Air Force Base in Alaska, and we have Colonel Paul Birch, the commander of 93rd Air Ground Operations Wing out of Mooney Air Force Base in Georgia. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the, the podcast again. This, and, yeah. this, uh, is, this is so much fun. So, so we'll so actually get into it. One of my favorite questions, and so we'll start with you, Colonel Bishop, and then we'll go to you, Colonel Bursh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll alternate. He's I'll just right. the right way. So, so first joining the
1: Air Force, becoming a second lieutenant. Did you ever envision yourself being a wingman? I did not see that happening. Uh, I was, when I came into the Air Force, uh, I was excited about the Air Force. I was excited about being part of a team. I was larger than myself. Uh, I had the opportunity to pursue one of my passions, which is fighter aviation. Uh, so I was all focused on this being really good at my job. Uh, and I have found, as I've progressed through my career, I thought i hit the peak. Uh, I was actually serving with Colonel Birch uh, in a fighter squadron and as a weapons officer, like a chief instructor, that's where, you know, I thought it was my headboard. Uh, but I found that by just focusing on my job and doing what I'm passionate about, that approach has progressed throughout my career. So long story short, no, but uh, I'm just thrilled to be able to have the opportunity to continue to serve because I still feel like I'm doing something I'm very passionate about, and I have the opportunity to be so, same answer. Absolutely not. In fact, I remember vividly at the Air Force Academy, a, a group commander taking us all and having a hundred people stand up, and then he he walked through how it was statistically impossible for only one person in hundred would even get a chance to command a squadron. No. And so I think the, the whole time, and I think this is a common like, in our community and certainly across the Air Force, is you're conditioned to think, man, if you, if you get the chance to lead at the squadron level, that is above average and that is kind of and, and so you, you kind of focus your effort. Being you good at your job certainly so gets you there. And then it's kind of in the Air Force and do a, okay, well, what next? Um, here in this uncharted territory. And of course the answer is you. But the thing I would say uh, to you know, if you're, if you're watching this and you're a second lieutenant or you're a captain and you wonder, okay, that's that's unobtainable territory, it's not. And, and I think the, the thing that we both suffer from is the idea that now wing commander you can't approach a wing commander for direct advice, or you, you they don't have the bandwidth anymore because they're so busy go to meetings that they can't talk to. Them. Absolutely not the case, and in fact. The only reason uh, that I get, you know, maybe maybe two or three things right every day is because I have many competitors that are talking to me So that's that's a lesson. In terms of that. Maybe we do too much shaping. Sure,
0: place sure, sure. But it's not. And, and it's, you know, you know, for me, it's like, well, eventually somebody has to be hired. You know that for people who said they're going to hire somebody. Might as well be you. you so people, there's some some negative nancies that I've seen that kind of get, get beat down, or a lot of people, like I see on the, on the enlisted side, where where they they don't want to play the game. I, I call it adulting. That's not playing the game. If you want to be successful, if you want to have bigger impact, you need to do the requisite stuff to find success.
1: There there is a corner after term. You, yes. you have to go from focused on the, the tactics and mission execution to really loving and caring about the airmen can't blend those two things in together, you're
0: not going to have any fun leaning mm-hmm. above that level. Or not, or you wouldn't, you wouldn't so, So with, with that, what what would you say is now now you're here at, at your, your level? And if you don't want to go back and vote their bios, you can Google it. Uh, very, very, very simple. Two PhDs, you know, sitting here talking to us about all these things. And so, the, the, the thing that I like about um, all, all the doctors I've gotten to work for in the Air Force is they're so smart. They articulate everything very simply. Like, and that's, that, that, that's the best part. Other love Einstein's quote is, you know, if you can't explain it simply, you don't know it well. Yeah. And so I absolutely love that. So so with, with that, what, what are your leadership philosophies or founding quotes or things that guide you every day? What would what you default to when you get faced with
1: a challenge? Or, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I think of leadership is not one thing. Leadership is a gem. I, I, I picture this, you know, round cut diamond. It's got all kinds of facets, and, I, and if you polish it right, it means. But the reality is, we we've, we've all got strengths. You know, some of those facets for us are areas we're really good at and we're really comfortable at. And then some of them, you know, maybe it's maybe it's being current in your tactics is a place where you're a little rusty. and You got to brush it Maybe. Being with the airmen and sharing their emotions is where you're really strong. So, how, how do you how do you spend your time polishing the planet? And it's not what you might think. It's not that you spend all your time on the area. because if you do that in a leadership job, you're going to run out of bandwidth before you can relate the airmen. So, so what I think of is where my where are my strengths? Let's let's spend 78 percent of the time leading in those strengths and articulating those areas to our airmen, and then but. But also, you don't forget about the weaknesses. How do you polish those up? And how do you find someone who's probably lower in the organization? to whom You can go to humility and say, help me work on this. Or uh, is it a senior mentor? Is it someone like you who coaches outside, uh, from outside, who help us with it? So, that, so the idea that it's a, a gem and you have to polish a lot of different areas, some of which you're comfortable with, some of which you're not so comfortable with. And then there's another one that maybe we'll come back to. It's the idea that everyone on your team has something to contribute. Absolutely. So those are the two big things. That so one of the frameworks I use in leadership, leadership is all about you know, engaging with the team that you're on, uh, setting the vision. And I think when you are in that environment, a lot of it is not black and white. A lot of it is... Great. So framework I really use first is just to care. So if you care, everything else might be falls If you care about yourself and understanding, taking care of yourself, your own personal resilience, and understanding your strengths and weaknesses, from what we're talking about, you're going to focus and spend the right time. If you care about your people, uh, you're going to do the right thing. Not necessarily always, always an easy choice, but the right choice for them care about the mission, you're uh, going then the appropriate amount of thought and consideration and making sure that's successful. Uh, so that's kind of my first first foot uh, in this caring. Uh, to E point earlier realizing that everyone on the team has something to contribute is incredibly important. Uh, especially in a position like management. Uh, I got some good advice is always treat the people you meet like they're the most important because at some point they are. Uh, and when you're engaging with them, they, they are in, in, uh, in that moment. Uh, so those are the two things I really look at as far as to give me the kind of perspective uh, to really have that framework. And then last, especially with a job like this, as a, as a wing commander, I, I kind of define my job as not to lead the wing, but I lead leaders that lead the wing. And I think, especially as our... Chief of staff has talked about revitalizing the squadron, really investing in uh, squadron command, to take care of the people, to get the mission done by really developing those leaders and couple worships point earlier, having the opportunity just to give feedback. We might talk about feedback later in this conversation, but the opportunity to engage with, uh, with people in the organization or in your folks and in the air force and their families, this is incredibly valuable, at least to me personally, uh, to have that alignment and uh, understand how the organization.
0: So, I appreciate you saying carrying and alignment goes right into cake, you know, you know caring, respect, and yeah, that's, you carrying alignment perspective expectation. expectations, I think no matter where we look, it's always there, just whether we're looking at the right lens, I, I think, it, and I actually agree, just, there's a, a, a little twist, like, I don't know, like, I leaders, that, that lead the wing, that little twist means so much to, to the power, and I saw it that at squad level, from Colonel a party, you know, he was there, just like, you, you are, in fact, in power. You know, and, and see like some people wait right, right around like to get knighted within an power. Like, no, no, no. It, like it, it, it's there. And so it, it, it was really nice. Obviously, I'm mean, not in your wings, sir, but it was really cool to squad and level there. It just is what the wing commander saying. Just, just, just go do that. This, this is fine. You've been in power. And I uh, think it was really nice moving we in and getting to see how that plays out. Um, but kind of talking about your, your different wings, as far as what you would look at is a, a, a typical Air Force wing organization. Neither of you need those. So you have very uh, unique wings uh, in, inside the United States Air Force. So if you would mind just uh, sharing with our, our viewers and listeners a little bit about your respective organizations, and then think, kind of what does success look like? They're, they're, they're number one, just vastly different from any other wing, typical wing in the Air Force, and different from each other as
1: far as that goes. How does that play out? Yeah, absolutely. So the 354th Fighter Wing is headquarters in Allison Air Force Base in Alaska. and uh, I say our mission is to prepare, project, and pilot So we prepare U.S. and Forces for 21st century combat to be hold red flag exercises. Uh, and we also look to project and integrate air power and support global operations. So we have the first air support operations group that's, you know, not just uh, stationed in Alaska, but all over the Pacific, uh, and obviously down here, Fort uh, Lewis And the wing is really focused on bringing that mission together, and I say pioneer, to be, to be doing pioneer it's to do in the pioneering experience. Really looking forward. Uh, and really as airmen, that's in our DNA. That's where our service came from, was forward. Um, forward thinkers and forward leaders. So, as I look for success, one uh, of the things that I want to see in, in our organization uh, that is really getting after that mission. And particularly for me, from uh, my position, I'm looking to sponsor ideas that aren't my own. So if uh, every decision I'm making is something I had preconceived, uh, and this is the idea that I'm championing, then that means the wing is reliant on you know, what's in my head or what's in my vision uh, or what I think is right. I'm not necessarily harnessing the you know, creative, the constructive uh, power of the organization. So it's really exciting when I think something should have gone, you know, towards A, and someone comes to me and says, hey boss, how about this? I'm like, yes, absolutely. That's what we need to be doing. To me, that's a good sign. Uh, the other thing I look for is, if I have to go down in the organization and then pull my squadron commanders back a little bit because they are leaning too far forward, that's a good sign, well. So I want to be, you know, to use a state porch mentality, I want to be pulling the horses back just a little bit instead of trying to whip them into action. So I think really when I, we get after squadron and combat, when we get after uh, thinking to this battle space of tomorrow, thinking about that environment that we're going to have to uh, operate in, being able to have it the base uh, the ability to make decisions at the lower echelon, uh, and also make the space the lower echelon, so you build that wisdom. So when you are in a weak command position, you have all that threat. Because you live into our education, obviously, I'm a big nerd. I love, I love academic education. Um, I love getting you know, my PhD. But I will, I will tell you, I'll trade all those diplomas uh, for the two years I did as a sport Commander in terms of at least a minute. Because you have to make decisions and you own know, you know, the amount of learning and you know, humility that comes along with that responsibility. System. Awesome. That's awesome, sir. So. so let me riff first on the first thing you talked about, which is the unique geographic layout. So, uh, like Colonel Bishop's wing, we're distributed 38 units in the AGAL, 34 of them are at locations that aren't in the coast. Uh, so, it gives us a, it gives us a, a wide spread. And it's neat, and, and by the way, I think the only way we're able to lead effectively is because the chief has set those conditions right now. Where you're I can't imagine trying to lead the 93rd AGL in a climate where all decisions will be pulled back to the leadership. So I tip my hat to the chief. I think that's one of his most powerful, certainly one of his most effective, and probably one of his most morale-enhancing initiatives in his first tenure. So I love it. Um, so, you know, in dealing with that structure that we have, uh, I think of it in terms of how do I get a win at the tactical operational institute. And tactically for me, it's making that neighborhood of the wing, which if you lay it out, stretches from Fort Huachuca up here on the west to Fort Bragg, and Fort Drum, Fort Riley up here. Uh, how do I make that look like that Small air base that, that a lot of us grew up on, you know, where the you know, it seemed like a long way to win headquarters, but it was really only half a month. Uh, and now, so, how do I, how do we change the way we do business? How do we use distant communications so that a squadron commander does have a chance to win their commander one or two times a week at least? Uh, like, I had the luxury of when I was a or when I was a group commander at al I got to see those people interact with So that's that's the tactical thing. How do we how do we think differently? How do we not think like the standard PowerPoint email through the Air Force you know, so that we can make that happen? That's the thing. But the operational portion of it, I'm gonna focus I'm gonna apologize. The the 93rd Ago has Army Brothers support, the 820th Base Defense Group, and then we have the this conventional part of the weapon system only than what's here at JBL. I'm going to focus a little bit on the tactic because I think the majority of the audience is going to be in uh, At the tactical, or excuse me, at the operational level, is how do we make our airmen feel like they are part of a bigger system uh, than just the immediate ASOS or, or uh, OL, as the case may be, uh, or Moody Air Force, basically. How do we make the AGALS Contribution relevant to uh, And we do that by going out and reaching down, building consensus, empowering. Uh, I, I love it when I have to pull back on square commander, right? but I usually don't because they're usually focused on the right direction. They've heard what the chief said. They've heard what General Holmes has said in our case as, as the ACC commander. And they're both on the same page. And the most powerful thing I've ever heard from General Holmes is command like you have the authority. You need to have, you know. and, if, and if you if you put that in your hands and consider that's terrifyingly powerful, but that's also exactly what we need. That's the only way we're going to get after initiatives you know, uh, and advocacy for our airmen and, and, and pull in the next echelon of technology. Everything yeah. like that depends on the power you've But then strategically, with people. Turn to the 93rd A.G.O. because we have proponents of content, conventional tactics and J.T.A.C. to say, okay, how are, how are you improving a lot of all of this as far as possible? So we try to pitch in, help with, not, not dictate, but help with uh, the staff work, the strategic resourcing, advocacy. We try to pull together a lot of working groups that Colonel Bishop's formations have contributed to. TFI is contributing to, we try to build a community consensus toward getting those areas with the good ideas. And instead of having them pitch it alone, they get to come together as a group. We do the work, we, we hand it over to the staff and say, "Okay, this is what we need." There's a lot of work to do in the tech team. Community. We haven't developed a parent requirements, or acquisition process, or a capabilities design document, and things those along those lines. We need to do that,
0: but we've got airmen who are smart enough to do that. We're trying to to build those structures And, you know, as as you you hear some of these answers, even the last few questions, there's kind of an an underlying thing of of where where we've come in the past few years, and you alluded to as far as, you know, General Goldman's guidance right now for for what he's doing and some of the different changes. And some of the different things that I've heard is, you know, for a lot of us, a lot of my bosses, is officer analyst. I think we grew up in in a risk adverse culture. And okay. so so how, how does this how does this work? How, how do you want your leaders to help assess, accept risk, communicate risk? Do you articulate it in a way that, that we can change things? John Wolfing said, say, hey, don't wait for me. Get ahead of this. And the AFI is this bullshit. Call it. Do what's right. And then we'll kind of catch up later. How, how does this play out for you? How can people find the strength to, to come forward with these things that we can? So I
1: know what we're trying to do in the AGAL is vacant in that operational risk management mindset into every echelon of what we do. Uh, whether it's stepping out to, to go to the range uh, to get a check ride done, uh, or whether it's how does a squadron commander think about this next initiative or this next program or this next event he or she is going to roll out. So uh, I think that's a little bit lacking in the community overall. Uh, you know, just having you know, safety reps, uh, safety culture, things like that, and the way that interplays with ORM is a little bit foreign to the community. So that's something specific we're addressing. Uh, so that's what's the risk to mission? What are the risks to my uh, what What's the risk to our credibility and effectiveness with the joint community? Is something we all we have to take uh, uh, then, then the other thing that. What Jeff Bezos said at the last AFA has really resonated with me in some used and to coach and new and old as well. Is it a is it a one way risk that you're taking? Is it irreversible? If, if, if it doesn't work, can we not go back to the way things were without without hurting someone or irreparably damaging the culture or, or some other uh, horrible effect? Uh, if so, let's let's talk about it. Let's. Uh, Let's really ORM that one in detail and figure out what our mitigation for the is. If it's easily reversible, it's a squatter mission that you can turn it on this week, turn it off next week, go forth. And a lot of those a lot of these high payoff ideas are like that. where right. trial. You know? the worst worst thing you do is a, a broken piece of equipment. But there's no risk to admission, there's no risk to so your character, your credibility, really
0: there's sure no risk to your so, so go ahead and rust with that. And that I think that's the those are some of the ideas I have in mind. You good. Good. If you want to make a difference, you have to do things
1: different. Yeah, that was quite a lot of That's right. And also it's always better to attack with a pot, like, okay, we, we don't like the conditions we're in how, how are we going to move it like, like, like a challenge, this week is an example of that. We, how, how do we get Aaron to feel like there's part of something big and to the challenge? Or we can, we can sit around and complain that we don't have that, or, or we can build uh, a competition that, that reinforces that. And that's where the first day side of leadership. And I think it's phenomenal for all of us. Yeah, to kind of go off on a riff on that, I think, is you're looking at trying to advance innovation. One just take ownership, right? Just take ownership and take you know, responsibility. One of the great things about being in the Air Force and staying in the Air Force is you have a vote of the Air Force you want to be in. Uh, so it's the future is what we make of it, uh, I would say, especially in the tactical community where we are now. Uh, and I think today, Lightning like Challenge, is uh, a fantastic opportunity to come together. We have a memorial service earlier, a, a dedication for a monument. We remember those that have gone before and we honor them by excellence, by like doing our job today. So that's, you see that body, and that was, again, wasn't my idea, it wasn't mine, it? Yeah, it came <laughs> up, and it was like, yes, we are doing that, and it's, you know, that's one of the great things about being a wing commander is you can take ideas that come out and you know, throw some gas on it, and really, uh, really see them take light. So that's exciting. So that's my, like, my first thought. Uh, second thought is, you know, don't be afraid to lean forward uh, and invest in loss because uh, in terms of being able to learn and expand, you need to get outside your comfort zone. You need to be willing to uh, try an idea that may not work. Uh, I did two assignments in operational testing evaluation. One of our mantras was the failure was a successful test because we figured out how not to do something, right? Um, so doing that in a very um, responsible manner is all about what risk-taking and more and more, and more operational risk management into our final terms and I think that applies to the cost what I will say is taking risk isn't being careless right Right. it's not about running around with scissors you know, where you, if I always look for am I by taking this risk am I going to be able to get a good return on this and are, are the, the areas is a one way door or two way door like I was at that same you know, AFA briefing from good phases using that as a framework then I use it as, is a reasonable? Can I defend this? Is this something that's worth worth getting after? Uh, taking that, you know, especially for a commander, uh, making sure if you have a responsibility uh, to get a mission done, uh, operating at that level of authority, you know, is another framework. of And then again, if you really care about what's going on, care about your people, your mission, again, everything else falls into
0: place. So quick, quick, those subset questions. is like the, the biggest fear that I've seen at, at squadron level is the lack of, abil- of ability to articulate a, a, a risk. That sort of thing. But yeah, I, I told totally, you, I'm going to take the risk for doing that. Then you can say, hey, sh- show me how you assess yes. this, this risk. So I, I don't know if you agree, I would think that's probably one of the big hiccups that some of our number of leaders have. is not like, oh yeah, I'm not going to accept that risk. Based off what? How did you come to that conclusion? How
1: did you really drive through all the concerns? And and you know if if you will take the time to lay out a risk matrix, which to me is probability not one axis and then the impact uh, if that probability comes true to, to show people what extremely high risk, low risk quadrants look like. You you start to build a, you start to build a, a way of thinking you what to think, but I will try to teach you how to think. Um, Let's let's be honest. The demographic we have in our formations is a very young demographic who, to their credit and to our great benefit, believe they are invisible and have not had uh, some of the tragic experiences or or seen some of the experiences that have impacted others. And so, you know, if you're not going to be able, you you can't do a, a... of, of all your experience, but you, you can say, okay, how likely is this to happen? How catastrophic is it be? And I think as you try to break it down into elements and then challenge your young airmen to come up with those thought processes so you can sort of coach that kind of thing behavior. Instead of just, you know, we've all been handed a, a five-page ORM worksheet to fill out, and it's, 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 it's only as good as the coaching.
0: So, uh, so with, with that, we'll, we'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with uh, a few more questions. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back. Quick break here on the Cape League Revolution. Welcome back from break. Back to Cape League Revolution. Uh, we're going to get into a, a super hella mega topic for the United States Air Force and of the world, this concept of resilience. In recent news, uh, the United States Air Force has come down and, and uh, mandated a stand down day talk about this with this huge skyrocketing number of suicides So as far as what we do to combat suicide, to uh, boost resiliency, uh, everything that, that, that we do that commonly referred to, I we, we both, spoke, uh, different, or both spoke about this topic in our, in our separate one-on-one sessions, just, just the concept of the oxygen. Like what are we doing to take care of ourselves, to be selfish, first take care of us before we can be right for our teams, how does this work inside the organization?
1: Well, so, uh, as, as you have when you get to this, this number of years of service, I've been to lots of uh, resistance training and lots of anti-suicide education and uh, how to coach people through those things. And the, the model that works for me that keep coming back to is that simplistic but tried and true four-color model that the Air has before. So, uh, professionally, academically or intellectually, Physically or health-wise, spiritually or whatever you look to as a higher power, do I have some structure in place there? Uh, and am I, am I building those up? Am I tearing those down? And then does that rest on a foundation of, of people, organizations, but like mostly people that I can go to and any tragic loss of an Aaron, a suicide. I can always, you know, anytime that I've been involved personally in a situation, I can go back and I can find if those pillars are crumbling or non-existent, and there was one last and final fiddle blow to the one pillar or part of the foundation that was holding him or her up, and that makes so, you know, I, I like what Colonel Bishop talked about, deep care. Every airman, Chief talks about every airman has a story. We care enough to figure out what that airman's story is each of those elements he or she has, holding up or not, I mean, care enough to challenge them. Or dive in yourself. That's, that's what resiliency has always been about. To me, Is the 93rd Agap. It takes its tactical pause to discuss suicide. That's, that's what we're going to go back to. And I think we're going to steal the idea of, of caring. So what we're So I'm a huge fan of the Four Pillars the framework. Bit, so, uh, so I'm kind of a riff on that I think it's important to really internalize that first. so suicides right now is the highest killer so if you unpack that a little bit I'm an airplane. so the biggest threat to me right now is me and I have to realize that I am human and I could fall into that trap like, I could become depressed to the point where I can take my own life. I need to recognize that that is a problem. That is a, like, a, a happening if I don't address it, right? So I think a lot of people think, oh, I'll never get a DUI. It'll never happen to me. So they never put a plan in place to make sure they don't get one. So I look at it as I have to be proactive in making sure that I take care of my own personal job right? My own Personal mental health, spiritual health, physical health, and then being connected to the mission and always growing My like family, like um, spouse relationship. I always say, you know, one of the best leadership training opportunities i had was to go into marriage counseling. Uh, because Aaron and I, we realized we weren't about ready to get divorced or anything, but we realized, you know, we can be better, we can be stronger, why wouldn't we go get and if you look at culture, we talked about culture of innovation, but really I look at it as a culture of resiliency. Asking for help, reaching out, isn't a sign of weakness. It's the exact opposite. It's a sign of strength. And we need that resiliency. I link that to readiness So as we look at it in the 354 spider wing, we have geographically separated units, but we also have a good portion of our population that lives in an arctic remote environment uh, where this time of year it never gets dark. Uh, and then in December you only have a few hours of daylight. and seasonal affective disorder is you know, the old thing, right? Uh, so taking those four pillars and using that as an opportunity to remind people that hey, we're all human. We need to connect with each other, uh, and then building those connections in order to uh, ensure that when we do feel that, because we're all human, right? We're, we all feel that. Uh, that you don't you don't get you don't fall into the pit of despair like there's nothing to happen. But you, like you can actually and We have. Personal, personal connections and that sense of human uh, that health system. So I will say that is one of the you know, wonderful things about having the privilege of serving this country and wearing this uniform. is being part of that community, part of that find that in other places in society. I completely agree with that and that is why we've gone to Dr. McCauley and the folks with whom she works to you know, just to hone our ability to to recognize how, how do you charge? Recognize it. You know, the different mechanisms are slightly different for other people, but how do, you, how do you coach yourself first you know, to to recognize it yourself? Build the foundation, and then, and then you can take your care of okay. But if you don't, you not start by recognizing who you are first. You know, you can. And then, again, this is all about leadership, right? You lean and leading at that level. So when other people see you taking care of yourself, regardless of your rank. That's going to be a inspiring you know, habit of behavior that can spread
0: Really, that, that culture so it reinforces it. And, you know, and, and for me, it's like, at the very minimum, if I see you taking the time out of your day to do a workout in, you go spend time with your family, yeah. you go coach games, that makes it okay for me. Yeah. So, so, so it's just, for me, it's, you know, not really it's, it's inspiring, but at face value, it's just okay. Yeah, you yeah. Know, to be a human being, to be yeah. a dad. and we've torn down to, the barriers. So so kinda kinda with, with that. Um you know, we, we talk about, you know, so so how can I communicate with people, we talk about the, the different things or people uh, being innovative to pass back ideas up, but feedback ends up being one, one of those three. To where let's um, let's say with somebody with uh, with appropriate levels of respect and descent, how do they communicate? How do you open avenues, how do you create a culture for feedback and openness? For, for people to, to disagree with you or bring you
1: ideas and and, and let it be productive, not off So feedback is huge. Uh, one of the one of my fears, if you will, and John like a link in to become isolated, to become isolated to your, from the organization when it actually happened. That, that's just a natural tendency to progress the brain. So being able to engage in feedback and solicit feedback is a, a big part of those my command philosophy. I have a wonderful command chief, Chief she's Josh Hurt. He's huge in uh, feedback, and being you know, so, so that's one of the techniques I do. Is, you know, for example, I'll have a meeting, uh, and then I ask everyone to email feedback to my exec. Uh, I don't know where the feedback comes from. I get it, and then I retransmit it out to everyone else as a means of trying to have that open you know, dialogue and that feedback. And the, what's great about that list is when I have that wing stand up for the staff meeting, I know that feedback is from either one of my group commanders, or it's from somebody on my wing staff, or it's from the squadron commander. So there's a certain degree of credibility. It's not just like posting something out on the worldwide web and hanging out with it out right? I know it's credible uh, information. Uh, and then I also like to encourage discussion conversation, uh, and conversation. You know, and like I said earlier, I really like like it when the decision I make wasn't the decision I thought I was going to make that means a conversation that's happened. And I have gotten new information that was convincing. Uh, uh, so that's uh, one of the things I'd really like to see. As far as giving feedback at the chain, uh, I think uh, our organization uh, in the Air Force is really realizing the, the importance of you know, communication and having this shared mental model uh, throughout the chain. And, uh, and I think it's we uh, value the opinions uh, of our support commanders in the Air Force and I have never felt like I was censored or I have never felt in my leadership position where I couldn't use my boss my commander. And frankly, a lot of times my boss disagreed with me Uh, and went another direction which was fine but I was okay with that and it's funny because I look at retrospect. A lot of times, most of the time, my boss was actually right. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like they, you know, all sorts did yeah. different perspectives. Yeah, different perspectives.
0: Right? Like for me, like, I, I just, I, I never needed someone to agree with me as long as I knew they heard me. Yes. You know, so, so I, I think at that point, if you felt heard, that's really all anybody
1: needs from my experience. So that, I, I agree with that too. So it's, it is fun having those discussions and having those uh, engagements. Uh, I talk to my peers a lot, yeah. um, from work, for example. His, uh, his feedback, his thoughts, It uh, gave us a different perspective and uh, a, different, uh, a different view. Uh, a wise man once said, uh, you know, early in my career, I was really big about uh, being decisive, making decisions, uh, making sure knew I was right, and then you realize it's more important to make the right decision <laughs> instead of being, being right. So, and that's really, especially as you Progressing your leadership journey, uh, being able to have that humility to understand and listen, uh, and to be able to hear those dissenting things and also solicit that feedback in order to make sure you're you know, making the, right, the decision that's right or making the decision the right.
0: Yeah, a lot of it, so inside like your organization. This is something that you have to or trying to shape and let people know that it's free to have a conversation reach out and try and do something, up you know, I'm one of those, you, you miss 100% of the shots, you don't take, you don't know, a lot of people, just,
1: you, you, you're, you're unreachable, you're a wing commander, but you just reach out and try it. it's amazing. I, I like your perspective and expectations in terms for this, we're talking about feedback. Uh, the perspective your airmen have, over the aggregate, is that you're unapproachable or it's, it's not maybe not that you're a bad human being and won't hear their ideas, but they, they attribute all this, all these meetings and all these important, you know, BTCs you're on all day long from, from sunup to sundown. You can't possibly listen to to Aaron uh, kind of Smith's idea. Uh, so, th- so the first thing is, is to recognize that perspective, right? and, and then you need to have the expectation that you're not going to go uh, out get that feedback of these good ideas unless you have a structured I wish I'll talk about a few great ones. Um, the, the best thing I learned in Downrange Command was with watching a very senior commander take the time to answer and, and let everyone else see that he was answering the inputs of the supporting commander. So General Erdogan taught me that if you solicit a monthly activity report or a weekly report, uh, but you'll take the time to read it and answer back, wow, that'll, that'll go a long way. Now, at the same time, you have to realize uh, that we are mere mortals and, and, and weaker than, than many, uh, and, and, our, and our bandwidth is low. So, so, some of that perspective is, is accurate. Uh, I really like the how do you anonymize feedback? What do you have those trusted agents that know what's going on in the Tactu network and, and will tell you what people really think or what they really fear? Uh, addressing the Imputed fears and the uh, rumors is every bit as important as making sure people can be heard for good ideas. Uh, I I've certainly, I, I find that to be particularly true in the mission sets that are represented. Yeah. I used to be the guy that said that's that's silly, that's just a rumor. Don't even think about it; it's not true. Uh, I think as I've matured, I've realized no, it's, it's important to address those before they just out of control all the people's mental energy becomes thinking about this thing that might be but it's, it's probably not it's the it's the so that's uh you know i have people like you keep me honest there uh, people like josh corbett me what's going on. Been, I, I could go i go down a list and a, a lot of that list is going to be trusted chiefs and seniors in the tech community there, they're talking to each other and if you neglect those formal feedback, sorry, informal feedback, and just to round out the thought, feedback, formal and informal. It is critical to sit down at the institutionally prescribed times and do written, initial, midterm, and final feedback, because doing it formally sets a different tone, a different expectation, and sets that culture in your Just as important to have informal, anonymous, easily accessible, low threat feedback mechanisms so that you're getting things done at time. Because so if you wait until the feedback session to tell someone how they're doing it's too late yeah, So so with that, as as our,
0: our time is, is drawing to a close, um, so it's kind of hopefully good good examples, good things for everybody else. Favorite leadership meetings? Like where do you go to, you to, to learn? What are your favorite books? Podcasts, speakers, TED Talks, anything and everything. Where you go to Groom Grove Develop yourself so you can be better.
1: So I think the biggest life hack in the 21st century is Blinkist. And Blinkist, if you're not familiar or haven't subscribed yet, is a way to, in 10 or 15 minutes, digest the latest nonfiction. Uh, it, and that's generally going to be what are, what are the business books saying, what are the leadership, um, what are the new health and nutrition ideas that are out there? So just, just to throw out some baseline practical, checkout you know, uh, if you haven't. I'll go back to my, it's a gem, leadership is a gem with lots of facets. How are you going to polish a lot of facets unless you economize your time uh, and, and quickly get smart on an area that you don't know a lot about rather than letting your perfectionistic tendency say, ah, I'll never be perfect at that so I can never address it. Uh, that is that is my go-to source. And then of course, you know, we, let's let's go back to our airmen our the experts. Uh, and, and they can give us feedback. So I like to look at what my best leaders in my formations are doing and go, you know what, I need to live up to that. And I think that's what really gets me uh, where to go out of bed in the morning if you will, uh, as a new commander, is recognizing people behind me are pushing up for even stronger than I was. So one of the things I do is audiobooks because I drive back and forth, breaks quite a bit. Okay. Uh, I like to stack up events in my life. So if I could get a transportation square, go from point A to point B, and get a, you know, a education square or kind of an intellectual development square. Uh, likewise, when I run, I like to use jogging strollers and I put my kids in there yeah. and. Then uh, go on base, so and maybe you can do a work square along with that. So uh, it's just making efficiency because we are mere mortals, uh, and really, as you look at your spending your time, how you spend your time is one of your most you know, precious resources. Uh, another thing I like to do is to rip off the kernel purchase point is talking to airmen. So I love doing having uh, an leadership school and talking to them. Uh, like Mayer, of course, uh, we did a senior video with just last week, uh, and just spending an hour and a half you know, listening to leaders that are, that are learning. Uh, it's, it's funny, I usually get more out of those experiences that I feel like I'm giving, in most cases. It really there's again I see that as a, an opportunity to kind of stack events as well because I'm learning things. Hopefully I'm teaching or mentoring, something I like doing, sure. so I get some personal uh, return on that. But I'm also learning the most environments So uh, I will say again that's one of the key things about again, having the opportunity to, to be in the Air Force, stay in the Air Force, serve the fantastic uh, Airmen you know, that you uh, I'm really looking to do something learn. So, so, so. It's a lot of fun. Uh, with, with that, you know, if
0: you're paying attention, just get out and talk to people. You get out. You, know, you can't get the conversation right if you're not having a conversation. So, so I absolutely love that. As far as some of the, uh, anonymous feedback stuff, you got heard, heard it here. You go to Mentimeter.com and sign up for free for anonymous texting lines. So people can do I was chief, and have people had had all calls. They were just texting stuff to me right there to do that. So good, blunt, sometimes inappropriate, but. We <laughs> uh, type in, type of feedback, but uh, mentionator.com com. But, uh, but gentlemen, thank you so much. I, I know how busy your schedules are, and for you to, to make this happen for me really, I really, really appreciate it. This has been a thank pleasure. This has, this has been great. It's fun, you. fun as always, and we'll catch you here next time on the Cape Lane Revolution.